You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Facing. So you've already had your introduction twice now. They know who you are. We know who you are. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. So if you've listened to any of our shows in the past, you know that this middle segment is of a Q&A style. So we're going to be bringing on guests of all different types of backgrounds from here forward. And you are a perfect, perfect segue into that with your professional sports background where you've been. I think this is going to be fun. We're going to explore a lot, get to know you maybe even a little bit better. Stories I've probably never heard. I'd say you're definitely well-traveled. I think so. Hmm. Australia, Dominican, Puerto Rico, Mexico. Ooh. And that's yeah. all with baseball? Yeah. Man, that's awesome. And Australia. Australia was probably by by far the best. You got me beat yeah. by, awesome. like, every foreign country. <laughs> <laughs> so this, tonight, it'll be, like, Q&A, and if it leads to a story, I'm going to ask you to tell me some stories. It's so, according to where you want those stories to go. Well, we have a counter on okay. some certain words, okay. but, you know, it is what it is. We just move it. We keep it moving. All right. So let's keep the van moving. This is a press conference style for you. So what is your, like, do you remember being drafted? Absolutely. So tell me about draft day, like the day you got drafted. What was, like, walk me through how it happened. Kind of like, was it, how did that happen, you getting drafted, and then what did that, like, do for you as a young man at the time? Well, back when I was a sophomore in high school, we were playing a game, and one of the scouts just happened to be coming from another watching another team play and uh he kept hearing my name over and over and over again on the radio so he's like i gotta find out who this vince facing is and where he's going to school you know hearing his name so much so at my sophomore years when it kind of really all kind of got going for me scouts were coming to the game when i was a sophomore junior had 15 20 there and this is in rome georgia in vidalia georgia lions georgia okay my senior year i mean there were scouts everywhere I mean, we talking about 30, 40 scouts a game wow. to watch me play. And, and when you're being scouted for baseball, these are professional scouts. Right. Guys looking to draft you right. out of high school. It's funny, though. I still have baseball, uh, college baseball scouts coming to watch me as well because I I told them, I said, the only way I'm going to go play football at college is if y'all let me play baseball as well. So um, I still had college scouts coming to watch me play in the hopes that I wouldn't go play professionally. So, But that kind of jump-started everything. It was June 9th. The draft started right around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We had a bunch of people over at the house. We, My mom fixed a bunch of food. Coaches came over, friends, just, you know, everybody was there. Um, well, the draft started at, at 2, and for every two minutes, they were making a draft pick. So Right, right. It goes pretty fast. 102, 104, 202, 204. So, you know, it kind of kept going. My phone rang at, like, 210. And we're Whoa. just like, did I get drafted fifth pick overall? There was somebody calling. We said, you got to get off the phone. So we tell them to get off the phone. <laughs> Then my old recreation coach called, my recreation supervisor called, his name was Coach Calloway. He called at like 
220. We're just we're just like, what? But, you know, because the Reds had the fifth pick and the Pirates had, like, the tenth pick. And those are two teams I flew up to their cities and worked out for them. Gotcha. So I, I was like, oh, it could be these guys. So time kind of ran along. We're just sitting there. Well, 242 rolled around. And it was a call. It lit up on the caller. Back in the day, we had the separate caller IDs, not on the telephone. So the phone rang, and it said San Diego Padres. And everybody just kind of went nuts in the house. Mm. And uh, they just said, yeah, we drafted your 20th pick overall. Uh, yada, yada, yada. We'll talk to logistics and stuff. I'll fly down. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty awesome day. And, Hell, uh, yeah. It just that, 20th overall. Right. That That's is legit. amazing, dude. So That's it, really cool. So how did you feel impressed. after that, man? It was it was a blessing because we get to see that stuff on TV these right. days, you know, mm-hmm. right. where it's like they bring us in their home or they have the camera six inches away from their face when they're sitting at the table on draft. And that young man or young lady, I guess, whatever draft you're watching, their life is changed right. at that moment. Absolutely. Or it has the opportunity to be changed. Yep. So we had the news station. We had the uh, well, it was actually not local. It, well, for us, it's local. It was out of Savannah. So they had a couple of news stations at the house inside. When I got drafted, and well, they were make they were hoping I was going to get drafted as high as I was. So right. they had news coverage there and interviewed mom, my dad, you know, my high school coach, and you know all those people. So it was nice, man. It it definitely changed my life. Mm. Good things and bad things, but it, it changed my life. Oh, for sure. You know, it, it it made me the man I am now. So that is awesome. And do you re- can close your eyes and remember everything, like the food that was on the table and the food, and then like the day. A couple days after, whenever they flew me out to San Diego to introduce me as the first pick, um, they had a big, huge kind of reception for me out at our recreation department, and like thousands of people showed up well, for it. Wow. You've told me before that you're from a small town, right? Small how town. Many, how many people lived in that oh, city? Oh, man, we probably 9,600, 10,000. So you were like maybe? the pride of the town right. for a long time. Like, well, my cousin, uh, I told you about my cousin that played football, Nick Eason. He from the same town, went to Clemson, graduated, got drafted in NFL. You know, so it was kind of him, then it was me. There was a couple guys before him that went off and played uh, college football and college baseball. And after that, it was just kind of a process. We produced athletes in our town, such a small town. So just real quick, back to clarify, you got a call from the GM. And uh, it was actually Joe Bochi. It was uh, Bruce Bochi was the manager of the Padres at the time. It was Joe Bochi, his brother. He was the advanced scout for the Padres. Hmm. Joe, Bruce Bochy, who now coaches the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. His brother, Joe okay. Bochy. Kind of like two-time uh, World, Series World Series champion. champion. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Bochy. He has probably one of the biggest heads in the world, though. His head's, like, enormous. Like physically? Yeah, physically. Yeah. Like yeah. size eight-and-a-half hat or something. <laughs> it's like Barry Bonds. Yeah, but he, but not without the steroids. Steroids. That we know of. Right, that we know of. That is awesome, dude. What would you say would be your best walk-up song you've ever heard for uh, yeah. coming up to bat, whether it's for yourself or someone else coming up to bat, where like, man, that fits them. That suits them. My buddy, we were down in Mobile playing on Double A. Khalil Green played at Clemson shortstop. White, blonde person. hair, right hair. Guy. He was like a white rapper too, hmm. and uh, I think Left. he called himself the White Rabbit or something like that. But he, <laughs> anytime we were riding on the bus, he would be sitting behind me writing lyrics because we mm. always sit in the same seat he's he's rapping just writing lyrics we got him in the clubhouse one day and he just went off sounded good too eminem's heyday too yeah. that would have been about that time frame, that was right 2000 and 2002 yeah eminem yeah. Yeah. killing it yep 2002 but back to your question malcolm it was actually khalil that's why i bring it up he came out to the beverly hills theme song <laughs> I thought that was the greatest thing ever. Really? Oh, I loved it. Somebody loved who's it. writing raps in the clubhouse right. and on the bus coming out to the Beverly Hills. A little Hills. Beverly Yeah. So it was awesome. 
But I came out to myself personally. First song I ever came out to was Santana. I can't remember the name of the song, but I just knew the artist was Santana. Was guitar. it Black Magic Woman? No, it was uh, it was one he. Oh, I can't think of which one it was, but He's that Black was Magic Woman. <laughs> but it was I don't know. It was a catchy song at the time, and that's actually when Nelly hit it big too. He came out with Batter Up. That was the second song mm. I came out to. Yeah. Batter Up. I'm the first to swing because I batted leadoff. So mm. it's like, all right, it was perfect time. And they cut in right when I batter up on the first to swing. It was awesome. Khalil Green, if I remember right, he played for the Padres. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with left-handed, right? No, he was right-handed. He played. He was a shortstop at Clemson. I remember him when he came out of Clemson. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember him playing for the Padres and being a shortstop. Did he get injured in his career, short I, injuries? I don't, I, you know, I didn't hear from him after he played a couple seasons in oh, the big sure. leagues. and. He might be rapping right now. I don't know. I True. may have to look it up or call some old buddies and see what he's doing. Khalil Green, name mm. drop. Tell you, there you it, go. It was awesome. So what's your most memorable baseball moment? Mm. Uh, during spring training one year, I had a chance to face Randy Johnson. It <sighs> was, you know, you grew up idolizing the big unit when he's on the mound, six foot 11, all six foot 11 of them, throwing left-handed behind people. I, re- I remember him throwing behind John Cruck in an all-star game. Uh-huh. John Cruck got back in the batter's box turn his head around turn his helmet backwards and turn the bat upside down and just kind of stood there so facing him during spring training was probably the highlight of my life playing ball but the actual highlight was when i was drafted and flew out to san diego i met my idol king griffey jr no that was probably the best when i got drafted i went out there for the it was one of the first interleague games they actually started playing and then the padres playing the mariners we went out there took bp well out comes the dugout king griffey jr they're getting ready to take bp he steps in the cage, turns his hat around, and says, where do you want me to put him? He started just mashing balls to left, right, center. Just Wow. You know, growing up watching him, so it was kind of a big thing for me. Is it true that, like, doves are released and classical music plays when Ken Griffey Jr. swings a baseball bat? It, it, seemed, it feels like that. Like seeing it in person. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost awesome. like the clouds part, yeah. and then there's a light that shines down. It's, oh. oh man, it, it was amazing watching him. Back to Randy Johnson, though. Like you said, 6'11", winging at your sidearm. I mean, you just name-dropped first ballot Hall of Famers on us, man. Randy Johnson and King Griffey Jr., these are two of the best at their position of all time. Mm, right, That's absolutely. Well, you got to realize that team, that year, Edgar Martinez was on that team as well with the, with the Mariners. Uh-huh. Raul Banez was on that team. Jay Buhner. Jay Buhner. So... The opportunity to meet those guys, and, and plus Tony Gwynn was on the Padres at the time. That was, you know, the highlight of my life. You know, right. that's what every kid dreams of, of, you know, getting a chance to get drafted and, you know, possibly make it to the major leagues, but also meet the the, the people that they watch growing up. It was it was exciting mm. for me. That's really cool, man. That's what's the last uh, baseball game you went to? Oh man, Personally, went, like in person. I went to the Lookouts game, not not long ago. I got actually free tickets for playing in a cornhole, benefit cornhole tournament. When you say not long ago, are we talking like when Chris Bryant and Schwarber and them were there? No, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I try to to go at least, you know, once every blue moon now to at least watch them play with free tickets. I go and, you know, sit there. It's just good to watch good baseball. They do a pretty good job of putting on a show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those band days and... Everything, Firework Fridays, stuff like that. But, you know, those guys are out there, you know, just trying to get to the big leagues like every kid wants to. So it's fun to go out there and watch them play. Nice. I want to get back to baseball eventually, but I want to talk UT stuff. You Mm. guys got any UT-related questions for Mr. Vince? What's it like playing football at UT? I mean, that's – It was – you know, when I found out I was going to go back, it was – I played my last year, last season of baseball. That was after my father passed away. You know, I just wanted to go back and get a degree hoping to go back to Georgia, just hang out with friends, go to school. But 
it didn't work out that way. Uh, Coach Greg Atkins kind of reached out to me and said, hey, are you not playing baseball anymore? Do you want to try your hand at football? I was like, well, hmm. you know, I always wanted to play college football. That was a dream of mine. And uh, I took a visit up, came up to Knoxville, took a visit, loved it. Um, I actually went to a Georgia game as well because uh, Coach Rick reached out to me about Georgia. I just ultimately fell in love with Knoxville, ended up coming up here as a preferred walk-on and yeah, Coach Fulmer's last year. So what was the biggest was, difference between Coach Fulmer and Coach Rick? I, not much of a difference. They're two class guys, man. I never met two guys that were they were out for the young man to, to make young men into men, young men into men. That's one thing Coach Fulmer and Coach Rick, you know, they talked about is when you come here, you you know, we're going to turn you into a grown man, you know. So do things the right way. You know, I had some hiccups along the way, but um, – that's one thing Coach Fulmer really, really, truly believed in is, uh, you know, helping young men out. So it That's was awesome. It was nice. But uh, back to another part of it, man. But the the strenuous workouts and stuff of college football I was could only imagine. Could you imagine being twenty eight and trying to go back and do it? <laughs> oh wow! You know, trying to go out there with eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kids, twenty two, twenty one, twenty two. It was, you know, it was tough. I, mm. you know, I was in really good shape coming out of baseball, but it was just a different type of shape. So I had to get in football shape. So I went from about 195 pounds to about 220 pounds from September to almost the fall. I had put on about 30-something pounds you of muscle. I was eating good and muscle. <laughs> I mean, I got big in a hurry. I mean, it was nonstop working out, conditioning. So it wasn't any fat or anything. It was it was nuts. It, that stuff just it's crazy how involved the university's football program is with the players, the nutrition they eat, how much sleep they've had, time at the training table, getting yeah. injuries worked on. Everything. It's, They're sitting there like, You gotta eat this now. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need you to right. go to bed now. We need you to get up well, now. Of course. I like, mean they have a lot of money that they have to make that university. Oh right? I know. It's just <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put that it. That right is a there. very, very they good have point. a whole lot of money to make that right. college, you know? But I just think it's crazy like how involved they are with athletes. That's the one thing I feel bad about a lot of like just regular students. These well, the the athletes right. because they don't get to really have the college, especially today. We've talked about before about camera phones and stuff like that the college athlete doesn't get to go to the parties and have a good time oh, no. like somebody's yeah, an f- athlete is definitely different than just you don't get student. the college experience i think it should be more slow athlete student you know? yeah that's because i mean that's just that's the order of what they're yeah. there you know is to play a sport yeah they didn't they didn't bring you there because they were worried about getting you an education right <laughs> clearly not <laughs> right my question though is actually related to nutrition and whatnot um i wanted to know if you had a routine as far as eating before a game what your favorite meal would be or what meal you would look to forward to right after mm. having a game, whether that's baseball or football. That's a strong segue, Malcolm. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> Points. Well, we had a nutritionist. Alice, Allison Morrow is a nutritionist at UT. And, okay. And she would go on a, it was a case by case basis of, you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, how many calories, like some of them have to eat 2,500 calories of, of a sitting, you know, guys a, like me. A sitting. Yeah, a sitting. I mean, they <laughs> get to day. eat pretty much what they want. Yeah. Um, but me, I had to watch my salt intake, so she had a special diet for me where I didn't eat a lot of salt, a lot, no sugar, stuff like that to keep my blood pressure under control because that's what I had a big issue with was hypertension. And so they tried to cut out all sodium and kind of just manifest a diet around me. But the meal that I liked most was probably when I was in high school, man. Before football games, we had chicken fingers and fries from a place called Henry's or Tasty mm. Freeze. It was it's awesome. It's made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was good. They had the best 
chicken tenders really? ever. So I always look forward to their chicken tenders right before a game. And then after the game, I would have to say it was in Pro Bowl. We, they would have nice little meals. Um, but I remember one instance, um, we had a rehab stint for, I think it was Roger Clemens or Carpavano, one of the guys. And after the after the game, they probably spent a couple grand on Outback Steakhouse for us. No. Blooming onions, steaks, chicken wings, you name it, they paid for it. It was awesome. So that's one of the things I look forward to. When you got a rehab guy coming down that's making millions of dollars, they will splurge on you after a ball game. Taking us to dinner, brother. Absolutely. They would order Olive Garden, Outback, you name it. And, and yeah. you know, that was a drop of, that was like a dime drop for them. So, you know, those Especially are if it was a rehab guy that grew up in that farm system right. and had known some of those dudes and then just got the call mm-hmm. and then came back. You know, that would be really cool. Yeah, it would. Be able to go back and see some friends that you played with for a while. and See th- some old stadiums that you played in. Right. That, that, and that's the way it was. It was, And that those instances were with the Yankees. It was uh, Pavano grew up in the Yankees organization. Sheffield, he had been traded over, but he was doing a re- uh, rehab stint. Robinson Cano, those guys were, I mean, he grew up with the Yankees. Yep. And, you know, he was rehabbing, and he did the same thing. These guys, I mean, whatever people say, you know, a lot of these major guys, major league guys, when they go down, they take care of the minor league mm. guys. They really do. A lot of people just like, oh, they got this money. No, these guys take well, care. because they know the grind of right. minor league ball and the compensation or lack thereof that they get for it. Right. And, but those guys were awesome. You know, a lot of them get a bad rap, but, you know, they take care of their own. So it's – That's very cool. Yeah. It's, it was awesome. So anybody that's grown up in the South has an answer to this question or an end to this sentence – Football Saturdays in the South are like blank. But tell me about it from your side of the fence as a player. Well, we get up early. Either vol walk or running through the tee. Yeah, power tee. Or hearing the chant song even. This is a – I'll never forget when I first joined the coaching staff for a varsity basketball team. And for me, it was my first instance to view it from the other side of the fence, to view a basketball game from that close – from not being one of the ones wearing the jersey and being on the court. And I tell you, taking in things like the crowd, just the atmosphere, it's just totally different. Right. You've seen a million football games at that stadium. We all have. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it's like seeing a football game from on the sideline. First off, the vault walk is probably one of the best events that you can possibly see at a UT football game. If you don't have the chance you need to take it, mm-hmm. go watch a vault walk. It's one of the biggest traditions right. in, in the South. SEC football, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a player the short time I was, you know, getting off that bus with a suit on, you got fans lined up to cheer you on, high-five you, walking to the, walking from there to the stadium. At that time, it was walking from the athletic complex to the stadium. It's probably one of the best things you could ever do. And um, just walking down there, getting to the field, getting dressed, getting ready to get on the field and running through that tee, it makes the hair on your neck stand up. So, Dude, when you're in the crowd it, and you if, Yeah, I was about to say, it right. makes my hair stand up yeah. when I'm watching it. Happening. Right, like, so I get pumped up. But when that thing opens up, <laughs> when man, it, parts, it just yeah. yeah, when it parts, it mm. it sends a feeling over that you couldn't imagine. So that opportunity, the first time I ran through the tee, I got that feeling like man, I'm part man, of something. Man, you know, awesome. you said uh, you played no eight. Um, one of our friends or a few of our friends played in the pride during during that time. During that time, yeah, man, it was it was awesome. It like I said, it was probably one of the best feelings. The first time you run through it, it's just just the feeling take comes over you. So it's that's awesome. It's pretty awesome experience. And then seeing a hundred thousand people when you just kind of look from side to side makes you feel like an ant. Man, I tell you, it, it does. And and going back to what you're saying about watching a game from the sideline, it's it's man, it's every every kid's dream to stand out there 
I remember that year Tim Tebow was at Florida, mm-hmm. and Cam Newton was the backup. Mm-hmm. And before the game, we're out there. I'm out there catching punts, and Cam I turn Newton around. Was the backup. Oh, that was before yeah. he stole the laptop, right? <laughs> right. But Yo, I was chill. I was standing. <laughs> I was standing about the 50 yard line, and I turn around and I see this big, huge, massive dude. It was a quarterback, Tebow. And he's sick, all of 6'4", 6'5", 250 pounds. Then Cam Newton standing beside him, all of like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, probably 250 pounds himself. It kind of gave you that feeling. Like, I mean, it made you feel small. Hmm. And they were quarterbacks and you were a safety. And everything, I was a safety. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring up Tim Tebow. I, I don't know why I didn't ask you this question, but what are your thoughts on him playing minor league baseball I right love, now? I, man, a guy should always chase his dreams. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. And he's been successful. And what little yeah, time apparently he's been he can playing, bat. He can hit. Yeah. He can hit. I actually watched a video of him. He was playing in high somewhere, and uh, this autistic kid walked up behind the net, and he walked out on the batter circle, went over and high-fived the kid. The kid came back crying. His mom said he's autistic, but Tim Tebow is his idol. So Tim Tebow, you know, being the person that he is, went up, shook the kid's hand, waved at him, just kind of stared at him while he walked back to his seat. Well, he comes up and hits a three-run homer. His mom was filming the whole thing and said, he's going to hit a home run right here. Well, he took about five or six pitches. Next thing you know, he hit one opposite field. Three-run hmm. homer. It Dang. was awesome. So, I, you know. There's I no doubt that he's not team. a great guy. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's undisputed. Well, as far as his <laughs> baseball ability, right. he has enough baseball Absolutely. Bat- batting ability to where pitchers are selective with how they pitch to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and you screw up, right. he can hit it 450 feet. Absolutely. He can absolutely do that. But he's going to draw a lot of walks, so yep. he's going to have a decent on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be a decent member right. of your lineup yep. because of those types of things. It's and impressive that he's such a good hitter, too, because that's, from my understanding, the biggest thing going into pro ball is being able to just hit a dang fastball. That's like safe. professional baseball. That's <laughs> like, that's one of the toughest like, things in sports to do is hit a baseball. Yeah, it's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player ever. Right. That's gave, what I'm saying. He gave it a try. Yeah, he he couldn't no. hit a baseball. Right. You know, that's just awesome. That, mm. But I admire him for following his dreams. He's doing well. I hope he makes it. I hope they give him a shot at least to get to the big leagues. If they don't keep him there, just... Given the opportunity, I just think that, you know, he's worked hard for it. It didn't work out in football, and he's going after something he loves. So I can't fault him for that. The one thing that I'll say about the baseball versus the football, though, is baseball, So you get figured out so fast. Right. There are so many scouts that know every single nuance to every single little thing that you do. And if they know that you can't hit a ball that's 7.5 inches off the ground and 10 inches to the right – that's where the pitchers are going to throw it every single time, and they'll have those measurements and metrics, and they'll figure that out in baseball faster than they will in football. Yep. And he had so many flaws in football that it was found out in like two seasons. Right. So, you know, if he gets the chance to hit against major league pitching, I think, it, you know. Yeah, the, the scouting report, they'll have the scouting report on him, that's for sure. Once he, I, If I not, he'd be him. batting 400 in the lower level balls right. right now, and he'd be working his way up. Absolutely. You know? But I guarantee those scouting reports that they're getting right now, they're getting sent to the big leagues just in case something like that does happen. Heck, yeah. and he's selling tickets in the right. meantime. And those minor league clubs, like you talked about with the Smokies, they're all about the event days mm-hmm. and the promotional how do I get people to the ballpark? Right. Well, we well, have Tim making, Tebow. Oh, yeah. Right. That's Tim Tebow bats third for our team. Right. We don't have to run doggy days. We don't have to run whatever. Yeah, he has so, such a following from football that he's going to bring tickets anywhere. Mm. It doesn't matter. And that's what he's been doing. Every stadium yeah. he's played in, I guarantee most most days they sell out, especially mm-hmm. on the weekends if he's playing, if he's in town. 
So back to the football Saturdays, and then we'll transition into some funner stuff, okay? You talked about the Vol Walk. I've seen many of Vol Walk in person on TV, you know, memorialized in pictures and on frames and stuff. It's it's an incredibly iconic thing to watch and really, really cool to see that many people gather for. The other side of it, what are people doing before they get to the Vol Walk? <sighs> And something that you had a prime real estate spot for was tailgate Saturdays on UT game days. I've come and tailgate up with you on many occasion. I'm sure there's many a people that have stopped by your tailgate over many times and not realized it was your tailgate. Right. So tell us about your role on tailgate Saturday, what tailgate Saturday looked like for you, what time you got up, what all y'all do, who'd well, you cater to? Because was... when I moved here from Kansas and found out what SEC football was <laughs> all about, right. and then I went to my first UT home game tailgate, I was like, what the ever-living is this <laughs> really a hundred in a hundred thousand people go inside there and keep doing it for three more hours mm-hmm. it's a way of life S- sign me up it's a way of life <laughs> you were a tailgate extraordinaire well we tell us about it we tried um it was circle b um circle b and sig tailgate we we started out very very small you know we just kind of had three or four tents here and there we actually we were by the rock and well where the rock used to be where the health center is now that's where we used to be right there on the corner across from the track right across from the track right um then they built the health center so we had to move down some so we got there right beside the health center and we bring out i mean every year we just kept adding 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 tents and stuff like that we invest in larger tents and then one year we my uncle clyde decided he wanted to have a grill there so he commenced to building a uh, power tea smoker on the back of a trailer hell yeah so if you've ever been down like fraternity row over by the rec center and you've seen the big ut smoker at a tailgate on a saturday over the past however many years it's been about about five or six years since i stopped playing yeah and that was vince's tailgate and then we'd have awesome we'd set up a i think it was a 10 by 20 foot tent and then we'd set up about four five six more you know 12 by 12 tents um we'd bring out the tables we'd set up uh, so you were able to get all this space because you said you were in fraternity row and the fraternities would allow you to have this space is that no what's it's, going it's on just or? it's just open right in front of the fraternity houses we'd get there at you got to get there early you got to get there we we'd actually park our trailer there the night before we'd park the trailer on the grass go ahead and have that spot set up we'd get up at you know, anywhere from four thirty, five o'clock in the morning to get over there to set up our tents to make sure we had everything going. So you got get all your smoker. perimeter set. Right. Get all the smokers <laughs> going, get everything that our what we call our galley kitchen area set up. We get our uh we had a big huge generator. We'd run two TVs. Um, mm. we'd we'd stream somebody got a sa- I was about to say somebody got a satellite dish set up on the truck, like we, feeding the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'd have local T V on one and then we'd be streaming ESPN game day on another. Oh. And, you know, we were cooking breakfast in the mornings with the smoker, then lunchtime rolls around, especially if it was a night game. We're smoking anywhere from Boston butt to hams to turkeys, hmm. hot dogs, chicken, you name it, you know. We were doing it. Fresh market stuff, dude. I'm telling you, the amount of food and the type of food that's made at those tailgates is insane. Yep. And everybody, like, everybody had a role. Everybody brought, you know, a dish or something like that. But, you know, we all chipped in for meat, alcohol. We had coolers just friendly for friendly as everybody is, though. Right. You walk from tailgate to tailgate. You Everybody shares what they have, pretty much minus the alcohol. Sometimes right. they share that with each mm-hmm. other. But you have to hide it so much from right. the campus cops. That yes. You'd share that. Dude. Kind of, but the last home game I went to, I was freaking shocked. We were just walking down. Oh God, I forget what street we were walking on, but on our way to the stadium. And it's just like open containers everywhere. Like mm-hmm. people, No koozies. Just beers in hands. I saw a 
do with a damn like George Dickel bottle, just yep. just walking around down the street with a and cops everywhere. Yeah, Nobody that's cares. Just, that's just playing that's with just fire. Fun. But they're right. never going to say nothing to you if you have it in a in you know, solo. But they battle. didn't. I mean, I'm telling you, I could walk down the street, look over. There's 400 tailgaters, and I'm just looking around at just just some of these people. beers and not koozies. People with liquor bottles in their hands, like totally just anarchy to that law. <laughs> and I'm just like looking around, like nobody cares. Right. Like, like, is this? Re- can we just do this now? Like we have, I was apparently we never had an issue with that because we always fed the cops when they came. Correct. Over. They come walking through our tailgate. We make them fix a plate and eat something because they've been working all day. And we're just like so. We kept our beers out. We they also got the good graces. No, that that's what everyone's doing for starters. And right. second, if just like all things, if you're being cool and you're not acting a scene, nobody's right. gonna mess. And with if you. you're sharing your stuff with people, the way that somebody, especially a southerner's hearts through their stomach. Mm-hmm. So that's the way <laughs> right. to get to the frat boys' bathroom. Yep, that's hey, the way. Hey, yep. hey, we need a place to piss. The ATO hey, you house can, was you our can, place. You can yeah. use our frat house. I remember coming to see you that one time, like, dude, I gotta pee. Yeah. And you're like, like, go ahead and go, go in there. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm not getting into it with those no. dudes. And you're like, no, no, no. Just tell them you're with me. We give them free food and free stuff over here, and they let us use their bathroom. Right. I'm like, what hmm. a trade off. We <laughs> always got the got a hold of the president. We said, hey, you know, if you let us use your food, you can come over and eat, bring a couple guys. And then most of the time, we'd ask them at the end of the night if they'd help us break down. They can have the rest of the food, and they'd take the food, help us break all the tents and tables. Well, of course, down. they just just make their freshmen do it. Right. The freshmen that they're freshmen have walking around, around right. in bow ties all day. And we'd feed them. They, even though they were freshmen, we'd feed them and, you know, they'd even come though down and take they everything. were freshmen. <laughs> well, because I mean, you know, most of the time in the morning, it was most of the older guys, the upperclassmen that came over, you know, and we talked to them and right. they'd fix some breakfast and whatnot and go back. But then when at night, whenever they're drunk and hammered, they just send, like you said, the freshmen over and they'd help us take everything down, put it over by the trailer, and we'd give them the rest of the food that's left. Yeah, that was a really cool trade-off for them to do yeah. that. I remember so that being awesome. So we could go to the restroom. It was awesome. Your location was very close to the stadium, too. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it awesome. People walked to buy your tailgate all the time on their way to the stadium. Mm-hmm. Taking pictures. Either going early or whatever. They'd see that UT smoker. People like me just coming in for their first game, see something like that, and they're like, holy crap, they do take this stuff seriously down here. Uh, and my Uncle Clyde, he the was custom-made grills right, right. for this stuff. And then he had blow-up Smokies, and we had lights. I mean, like... We we had a we have a a uh, setup that you know we have lights we have heat if we need it if it's cold outside we have little walls we can put up it was nice so we were prepared for everything all the elements. you're making me ready for I'm telling college you, football, football season back it, it's, it's right, it's around, right the around the corner, corner. Again. yeah yeah it's right around the corner what Can't a tradition wait. since we're talking about all this food what's the proper way to cook a steak ooh point for Hayden. <laughs> That's one. That's one. Oh. Segway. Proper way to cook it is medium rare. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm a medium rare guy. I don't like. If you well said done. well done. The interview would be over. No, yeah, there would be an abrupt you, end. People, people are cooking. What You're kind cooking of tailgate is? I said if cooking you, if you well wanted done. me to, I'd just go straight to the cow, give me a knife and fork, and just cut it off myself and go from there. Honestly, but, I mean a quick sear uh, on either side, good to go, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the best way to cook it. Medium rare. Good medium call. Rare. Good call. Yeah, we can take medium rare. Switching gears. Okay. I'd like for you to search your memory bank and tell me the weirdest story that you can think of involving a dog. <laughs> My gosh. The weirdest story involving a dog. Man, you know black people didn't grow up with dogs in the South, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, okay, let me let me let this my release my most recent relationship. Uh, we had a great Dane. I would say this was probably the weirdest thing. Every holiday around Thanksgiving, a little bit before Thanksgiving, going around Christmas time, he would get the worst diarrhea, and he would just poop 
all over the place. And we're not talking about just solid stuff. We're just talking about just... I've seen a great day and have uh, shit like that before. I, it is awful. It's not a good thing. And he would just walk around while he's walking just shitting. And it <laughs> was... And you talking about coming home from work or whatever and there's shit everywhere mm. so oh, that that's was where probably- we need the sound bite of bob saget from god what movie is that where oh god what movie he's like oh my god there's shit everywhere <laughs> oh, oh um, damn it and it's chocolate yeah oh i can't think i know which i know which movie you're talking about too there's shit everywhere <laughs> <laughs> but i will tell you man i mean and it never fails um for at least Three or four straight years. Is that Bubble Boy? No, well, that's from uh, the Dumb and Dumber Two. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. When, the, uh, when they're younger, yeah. when Harry met Lloyd. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, they should. I like it a lot. lot. There we go. All right, mine's kind of related to um, baseball and football, but it's a question we ask. We have asked a lot of our guests. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say your favorite state is, and what is your least favorite state? Because you've been to plenty. I've been to. Almost all 50 states, if I hadn't lived in most of them, I've traveled through most of yeah. them. Honestly, I would say Arizona. Dang! Ding, 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 ding! Arizona. So many people have answered that. Well, I lived out there for spring training. I lived out there for Arizona Fall League. Um, and, like, I would just stay out. I would go out there a month early, stay two months later. You know, the weather, Man, yeah. it gets hot, but it's not a humid hot. It's dry. The nights are, like, 55, 60 degrees. It's just perfect i said the only bad thing about living out there is the wind storms and you know monsoons that comes roaring through there but uh, yeah it's a beautiful place lived in tempe glendale peoria and wow. scottsdale you know the times that wow. i've been out there and people that it's a beautiful place tempe we gotta move to arizona y'all i know i'm sitting there thinking okay now i gotta plan my next vacation seriously what the hell am i missing going i to said guys trip to tempe man it's awesome I mean, or Scottsdale. Y'all would love Scottsdale. We'll go out there. We'll do some peyote. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hang out in the desert, like the doors. Yeah. I want to know how many listeners With a weird we naked Indian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Arizona's probably, I mean, it's beautiful. It's awesome. We should take a trip out there. That you, you would love it. Or let's go, like, during spring training. The thing is, is this is the thing, okay? <laughs> I'm, there's no way in hell I see myself that being that close to Vegas. And, and not going, and going, not going to going. anywhere else. Yeah, you <laughs> than know, Vegas. It is Vegas is about, I want to say like six hours, six or seven hours, and like twenty seven hours closer than it is here. This is true. <laughs> so, I mean, we could we can sneak a little trip up there too. Or you know how we I might am. just stay up there. You know how I am. Yep. Hey, Segway. we can wait. Point for me. Right. Best story from a casino. Uh, yeah. Because I have an awesome one. I haven't told on the pod from a time you and I went. So I'm going to see if you're going to tell it. And if not, I will. Mm. Oh, no. The one that I had, the best time that I had was with you. We went to, uh, we were there playing craps with the old black guy that had won like 18,000. No, roulette that had won about 18,000. craps? That was was a different white guy because I don't know how to play craps. I got you. Well, yeah, roulette. And this guy, uh, he had told us a story that he was down in New Orleans. He'd won like... Eighteen, nineteen, twenty thousand dollars on roulette, and men wait are sitting there like, "How the hell do you win eighteen, nineteen, twenty thousand dollars on roulette?" Mm. But we figured out how this guy was making that money. Stacking he, chips. He was stacking chips, and like he was betting on black eight with like twenty <laughs> chips, and then he would bet all around that black eight with chips. And so the way roulette pays pays you thirty five to one, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And you have to bet, you can bet $1 on a number. Mm-hmm. If that number hits, you win 35 to 1. So yep. you bet $1, you win $35. Yep. This guy was betting $20 a number. Yeah. Unlike so, 10 numbers. On More than that. Yeah. And, okay. and yeah, on all the lines around, around the number. number. Right. So you get 35 to 1 if you hit the number straight up. If you bet the number like half with it's two others, it's 17, 17 to 1. one. If you bet the corner where you're playing four numbers, it's like nine to nine one. To one yep. So if he's playing all those things and it hits, he gets thirty-five to one on that bet, seventeen to one on that bet, nine to one on that bet, seventeen to one on the other half bet. It just costs him eight hundred dollars every time he plays. But <laughs> it's two on a lost roll. Yeah. So if you're doing the math on it, and if he, if wins, he hits, hits five rolls in a row. And it doesn't matter if he loses six, the next six. Right. right. Because those five wins in a row just paid for the next 25 rolls for free. Right. So, or for him to just walk away. And it's that process of it. And he was able to get into a run mm-hmm. of being able to hit. And his woman, I would say wife. Girl, wife, girlfriend. I'd say girlfriend. It's definitely girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Girlfriend. Bottom girl. As you yeah, say. bottom girl. <laughs> Had a purse. Huge, huge purse. And, so a, and a huge bra. Yeah. So, and I say that because that's where chips were going. Chip was, yeah, uh, the, she was keeping the, them nice and secret. Oh, the hundred dollar chips. The she black was putting chips. Up there. She was putting them up there, and the purple chips. She was putting them up there, and then if he needed more money, she would go down in her purse and bring out green chips, twenty five dollar chips. Oh, she would never go up here, but she would stay down there. Yeah, and we think that bag was full of chips. God knows how many chips were in that bag. So. The store I'm trying to tell. But the bag is the thing that could easily be picked up and walked away with. Oh, so no. you keep the cheap she, chips there. Yep. You keep the expensive yep. ones close to your heart. Absolutely. <laughs> but she had that bag clutched in her lap, too. I'm and whenever sure. he'd ask for money, you know, she'd reach in, give him a couple chips here and there, here and there. But the story I was trying to tell, me and Wade are sitting there watching this guy. We start playing like him. I mean, not betting as much. You know, we're betting like maybe 20 bucks. So he taught us bucks something. Yeah. But you weren't doing twenty dollars in every. You no. might be doing a dollar in each number, but yeah. spacing them out and doing it, playing it like maybe two dollars, three dollars, maybe five dollars. But we we'd space it out. But we started following him and doing what he did. Me and him, we started hitting some numbers, and it we really? just had so much fun playing that game. I'm telling you, man, it was it, the adrenaline rush that we had. We're just like, here we're putting them here, we're putting them here. Okay, how about we stack five more on this one and. Dude, we were those awesome. dudes at the roulette wheel that were making noise, that right. were having fun, that were high fiving, that were clapping, that were screaming, that were, you know, doing it with this guy, right. telling us this story, proving it to us, absolutely, basically teaching us a different way to play the game. Yeah. You and I had this strategy of I'll take the top third of the board, you take the middle third of the board, right. the bottom third of the board hadn't hit for. Well, we had this strategy, right? right? We had a strategy. Going. We're going to do this, do this, right. and then this guy sits down like so like, godsend hmm. to teach us how to play this game. Oh, okay. You got to spend money to make money. Yep. And I so I guess you. they they rely on the average person walking over and saying two hundred dollars on ten and just taking a quick roll. And if they miss, like gosh, shit. Well, they, they, off. They, those they types of people would just play red or black. Like red if you're black. gonna bet that amount oh, okay. of money, okay, okay, two hundred on black or the first third, second third, or first twelve, second twelve, third twelve. They pay it down there because it paid two to one. So somebody put a hundred dollars down there, they win two hundred bucks. You know, if it hits, so you're just like, huh. so same night. A continuation of the story. The story I was going to tell is from the, the same, same night. night. That's funny. You pulled the mm-hmm. roulette story. This was a fun night, right. by the way. We had a good time. It was the day after New Year's. Yeah. It was New Year's Day. Yeah, it was New Year's Day. Yeah, New I remember. Year's Y'all day. just took yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> and while we're playing roulette, there's all this big hubbub going on behind us mm-hmm. at that big-ass Wheel of Fortune wheel. Yep. The black where guy. 
homeboy is mm-hmm. sitting there stuffing. We walk up on this guy. No kidding. I'm going to try to paint the scene. Yeah. We walk up on a guy with all this craziness going on around him. He's literally standing with his back to us. He's got his right hand out to which an employee of the casino is steadily counting out $100 bills into his open palm. He's got his other left hand pulling $100 bills off of a stack on a table and just steadily feeding them into a machine in front of him. It's like a steady line of $100 bills going into his hand and then going back into the machine. And a steady amount of Where are the hundreds from, though? There's... Three more behind security him. personnel Wait. behind the one Holding already stacks. handing him mm-hmm. money, yep. ready to hand him more money from the roll that he hit a few rolls prior. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. So this guy figured this game out. It's a wheel that's it's like a big, giant Wheel of Fortune-looking wheel. And almost all of the slots on it are one, like the value one. Mm-hmm. Some are two, some are five, five some, some are 25, uh-huh. some are 50. 50. Yep. So... You win that amount times whatever you bet. Okay. So if I bet one dollar, minimum is one dollar. If I bet one dollar and it lands on fifty, I win fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. If I bet a hundred dollars and it lands on fifty, <laughs> I win five thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. So this guy is playing six machines at a time and betting a hundred dollars per roll. So when fifty hits, which it did a couple times while we were there, mm-hmm. he's winning. I think we did the math on it from the amount that he spent six hundred per roll to the amount that he pocketed. It's like dude was he won that's thirty thousand dollars a hit. He well from that to what he lost to what he won back and what he lost and what he won back. Fifteen minutes of him and I were watching. Dude won one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And the night before he won, I think they said eighty eight thousand dollars. The night before he figured out the game at Cherokee at at a different casino. Mm -hmm. And this was on New Year's Day on. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, they were telling the story of him yep. coming in and breaking the machine on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. winning ninety grand the night of Thanksgiving. Yep. 22, 23-year-old kid yep. that just figured out how to spend enough money to make money, and if I spend it until I hit it, then I'm going to have that bankroll to where I can keep, keep taking it. those chances. Yep. And that's that, that's they, so funny because that's the pitch I try to give my wife before I go to the casino. Is <laughs> like that's, I can't. That's not enough to go with. Right. If I go with just that, I'm not going to have the mentality of a free thinker gambler. You're gonna. I'm going to be taking chances based on my wallet, not based on the statistical probability right. of me winning. So hmm. I can't be going into a casino hamstrung by am I going to lose? Right. And that kid was definitely just Hayden. It was one of the coolest things I've ever I seen. I mean, he had a he had a he had a a swarm of people just, just watching him. I mean, he and was handing him hundreds just like this. by the <laughs> he stack. Kept, he kept feeding the machine, feed the machine, feed the machine. And people were like, "Let us get in on that. Let us get in on that." Because he's running six different machines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the casino personnel was like, "Nope, nope. this is his. He's yeah. just running. It. He's got it." Because he probably had them on here. You guys take a thousand off of every yeah. off of yeah. my whole total to pay for all your bar staff tonight. Yep. Yeah. You know? hmm. I mean, he hit it for one hundred twenty. I mean, like. 15 minutes it was nuts i would love to know who the kid is yeah. what he does now right like i'm sure he just travels casinos and, and does that especially if they have that wheel but the last time i went up there i didn't see the wheel i believe it i didn't see yeah, the they wheel. were probably like we've lost way too much money on the wheel yeah they moved mm-hmm. all the tables kid. around and everything the <laughs> table setup is totally different now mm-hmm. uh. and i didn't see that machine that was fun you and i actually that was a good night for us too yeah a lot of luck in the air yeah, that night we did that was the night that we i came hit back that, with money that full house yep and you, I hit two full houses. Yep. You hit one. And I hit a three of a kind or something. We, yeah, we I, I have that money. picture of two $500 chips yep. 
with two one hundred dollar chips in my palm. Yep. I took that picture and sent that to my wife, and, and then I only came home with like five hundred bucks. <laughs> I think I came home. Me, me and you both came home with what we went up there with plus about five hundred. I cashed so in a nice. purple chip. That yeah. made me proud. Yeah. Hey. So. Hmm. You got to spend money to make money. It was fun. It was fun. We had a good time. I always wanted to tell that story on the, man, on the podcast. Was, it was awesome. So that was awesome, man, man. We could talk to you forever. We really could. I, I really appreciate it. I feel like there's so much that we haven't explored that we're going to have to have you back on again. Sometime. That's fine. I'm more than happy to come. So especially, I'm, well, we can know, do it over the phone there. if even if you're too far. Well, I'll be up. I'll Easy. be up this way for four weeks. So you know, if you don't have anybody on after you know you have your next guest and you know or the last week that I'm up here, I'll be more than happy to come back. I have one last question. Okay. Where are you watching the eclipse at? I'll be at work. I don't know if I'll be able to. You're mm. going to need to tell him you got to get something out of your car at around 2.30 p.m. I, Eastern I, Daylight. I, I at least want to try to like take a picture while I'm not looking at it or something. Right. Just Because, I mean, it happens, what, every 100 and something years or 95 years, something 50, like that? 50, 60, 90, I think. They said it will never happen in our lifetime again? Maybe not. So, I, I mean, I at least want to get some kind of recollection of it, you know, to show my son or show some show anybody you know that hey i saw this solar eclipse you know right mm. so it'd be nice to have some kind of picture or something of it so oh, yeah. but i'm gonna try to watch it final so. question who's the first person you're gonna recommend to listen to this episode or any episode of the big red van i'm actually going to tell a bunch of my softball buddies that i play with uh this weekend down in Loudon. really so, yeah i'm gonna tell them to hop on and take a listen because they all love, you know, good stories, football, UT football, yeah. you no know, baseball. So I'm actually going to tell the whole team when I go down there and play in Loudon this weekend. Awesome. So I'm going to try to get a group of people to listen to it. So Thanks right. a lot, man. Absolutely. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for jumping in the van for us, man. That's been part two. Who is it? Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one.